This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Uh, joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you this morning? Good morning, Wally. Good. How are you? Good. <laughs> Just figured out how to clear my throat here a little bit, but uh, live radio, uh, we'll, we'll keep going. The, the show must go on. Also joining us this morning, uh, Lou Franceschetti and Butch Carter. Butch, good morning. How are you this morning? Good morning, guys. How are you? We're, we're thrilled to have you, Butch. Thanks for joining us. Also joining us this morning, Lou Franceschetti. Leaping Lou. How are you this morning, Lou? Well, I think I'm a little bit better than you are, Wally. It's <laughs> okay. Just, uh, that, that, that was a total disaster last night. Uh, uh, it was a total disaster last night. Of course, I, you're not talking about the Leafs game, so uh, well, you must I, be talking, I'm talking about, talking about the other else. team that's close to your heart. The other team that's close to my heart. Aren't you a Packer fan? No, that's Joe Bowen. Oh, I apologize then. <laughs> no, you know you can. Uh, you don't have to apologize, Lou. Uh, no, I'm I'm a, I'm a Bills guy. Uh, Packers, yeah, from the NFL back from the old days, from from the '60s, Bart Starr and Jerry Kramer and a whole bunch of those guys. But uh, yeah, that was a train wreck for the Packers. Let's put that one aside for now. We'll come back to it. Uh, a lot of NFL going on today in the big game tonight. The Bills and the Chiefs. So I know Naz, you're all excited about that. I'm all excited about it, and uh, we'll uh, we'll come back to that one. But let's talk about the blue and white right now. Um, Naz, when the Leafs got up last night three to one, I got nervous. Uh, haven't have they haven't had they haven't been doing a great job of holding three to one leads or four to one leads in the recent past. Uh, but they uh, they pulled this one out, Ness, and uh, I guess the first place we should have a look at is uh, the goalie, Peter Mrazek. Certainly an impressive performance by him last night. Uh, if he keeps it up um, and he can share those goaltending duties with Jack Campbell, that certainly uh, improves the Leafs' lot in life. Uh, we're in the mi- basically the middle of the season. We're uh, time for uh, you know the sort of the, not not so much a stretch run, but the, uh, they got to stay focused now. But Naz, your impressions of last night's game, uh, three to one lead, uh, but they held it this time, and a and a, and a goal by Peter Pierre Engvall with point three seconds left in a period. So that certainly was helpful. But overall, last night, Naz, your impressions? Yeah, the Leafs held uh, the Islanders to twenty shots. It was only twenty shots by either team, so it was kind of a tight checking game and the Leafs played well last night. I was expecting them to come back to the Islanders for sure. But uh yeah, they played well last night. Yeah, certainly did. Butch, uh, I know you're a big Leafs fan. Um one of the criticisms of the Leafs uh, this year uh and if uh, if we if uh, you know there's there's a lot to be uh lot to be optimistic about. Uh, certainly the talent 
when when you're watching Austin Matthews play at the top of his game, there's certainly uh, um, he's in the top. Uh, in my in my opinion, the conversation top three players in the league, and certainly he's he's become more. Uh, more confident and more responsible, and so he's become a two-way player. Offensive talent off the charts. Um, you got Marner, who's back and uh, made a difference in the game last night. You got Nylander, wasn't one of his better games last night, but he's he's been playing well. And John Tavares, you go through the lineup offensively. But defensively, there are some concerns, Coach. Uh, inconsistency on the back end. Um and that's got to be concerning. Your overall impressions, Butch, we haven't talked to you about the Leafs so far this year, and I know you're a keen observer. Your impressions of the Leafs, and what can we look forward to? Well, I mean, the one thing that's always bothered me about um, the Maple Leafs are the gym as far as valuation in the NHL. Uh, they've provided more money for other teams, and the current salary cap situation is a huge detriment to them in expanding their roster talent-wise. I compare it to where the Lakers are at right now, that you can have all the offensive players that you want, but the reality is that, especially when you're talking about one goal, two goal difference, the back end has to really be strong. And in the 25 years that I've been in Toronto, and this is my limited opinion, but I think I'm pretty much on point, They've never had two a pair of really good defenders to keep that puck off the goalie. And I think it has gone on quite a while, and everyone can keep talking about the offensive guys. It's no different than talking about a great quarterback. But the reality is that a great quarterback in Green Bay got beat because special teams gave up 10 points. And um, it's the same thing that keeps happening to the Leafs. You go back to their playoff failure uh, historically. It's always been from from the massacre in Boston to what happened last year with the Canadians. Um, I just think they've never found you – know, you don't have to have one guy. If you could have a pair of guys that are pretty good, uh, it gives you a lot of flexibility. We keep mentioning all these offensive guys and – is that really going to work in the playoffs where the checking is tighter? And, you know, the islands are only get 20 shots. So, you know, how many times is that going to happen? And you guys know the math better than I do on that. <laughs> uh, Lou, uh, uh, following up on, on uh, Butch's point, um, this team, this Leafs team, and we, we've said it <coughs> since the beginning of the season, it's going to be evaluated by uh, how it does in the playoffs. I mean, that's just the hard reality of the situation, given the disappointments of the last couple of years, uh, given their cap constraints, given that they've they've, uh, sort of bet the house on their core four, five, if you want to throw Morgan Riley into the mix. Although I will say Riley had a hell of a game last night. Um, But the Leafs, uh, if you you look at their defense, You've got Riley and TJ, and uh, they're 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 soaking up all the minutes. Uh, Muzzin and Hole and uh, Justin Hole are injured, so you have to throw Sandine in Lilligren, and uh, you know they managed to manage to, and then you go back beyond that, and you've got Dahlstrom and Dermott. Um, when you get past the first two, I'm not sure that we're uh, with with Muzzin and Hole. Uh, 
maybe when they're back in the lineup. But I don't know if Leafs Nation's inspired with confidence back there. Is is that good enough, or is, is Dubas going to have to do something at the trade deadline? Well, I, I think uh, Butch knows his sports. He knows what it takes to, to put a championship team together. And what the Leafs have done, uh, sure, last night uh, they, they won a big game and Morazic stopped 20 shots. I looked at it. It was a very, very emotional uh, situation last night with uh, with what previously happened with uh, with the Islanders the night before. Uh, but again, if you don't have a puck stopper, if you don't have a number one goalie that's going to bail you out of certain situations, you're not going to win anything in this league or any league that that you participate in. And you know they've got two guys back there, and you know there's a lot of cap restraints uh, with the dollars that they've dished out to the top four up front. But if you haven't got a, a Morazic or even a, a Gary a Carey Price out there that, that's going to clean up all the mistakes that your front five have, have made, you're really not going to go anywhere. And I think that's one of the reasons why they went out and signed Morazic uh, is because the, they want somebody to push Campbell. And if Morazic keeps playing the way he did last night, uh, I think Campbell might be looking at uh, at being a backup again. And then are you going to want to dish out big money uh, for a backup uh, type goalie like Campbell? If he can't play 50 to 60 games a year. Uh, certainly, uh, if they get more performances like they got out of Mrazek last night, he can start splitting the goaltending duties. That that uh, That's certainly a feather in uh, Sheldon Keefe's cap. Gives him, gives him a little bit more options. Naz, uh, looking at the standings this morning, because uh, it's, uh, you know, we're midpoint of the season. Uh, trade deadline is March 21st, so there's a long way to go. There's a lot of hockey still to be played, but um, I think when you look at the standings, you realize uh, we've already it's already determined who the eight teams in the in the East are are going to be in the playoffs. There's some separation, but you look at the Leafs situation. They uh, 53 points. They they're all of a sudden they're eight points behind Tampa and Florida. Although to be fair, they have significant games in hand. But to creep back up into contesting first place, they'd literally have to run those games in hand to get back there. So there's a little bit of separation going on. And lo and behold, you look at the standings, and the Boston Bruins are nipping at the uh, at, the, at the Toronto Maple Leafs' uh, heels. They're only three points behind. So Leafs uh, Leafs can't afford uh, any inconsistent stretches, and they can't afford another slump. They they went through one. Um, and there's there's half a season to go, and you want to think that you want home ice advantage in the first round, uh, and, and that looks like it might be a challenge. Um, how do you assess the current Leaf situation, and uh, where do they go from here? They could be the third best team in the league and still finish third in the division. It's scary, well, pretty scary, and. Um, I think Tampa Bay is going to be the team out of that out of that conference. I do. Yeah, certainly Tampa and Florida uh, seem to be the two uh, two best teams in the. Uh, you can argue they're the two best teams in the NHL right now. Uh, for that matter, the their their point totals are up to sixty one points. Uh, Florida is playing well, uh, extremely well. They've got a goalie Bobrovsky who's uh, lighting it up down there, and of course, Tampa's got Vasilevsky. So. You know, like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta butt heads against these teams with good goalies. Uh, uh, Butch, uh, Leafs, their situation right now. Um, 
how important is it for them to move up in the standings if, if we're going to be successful in the playoffs? Well, I think everybody, you, you want home ice advantage if you, if you can get it. So <clears throat> the, the issue is, you know, with hockey, the problem is you're vulnerable to injuries. So, you know, they they got to try to get on a run. They need to, to, to win, let's say, 80% of their home games. If they can get on that kind of run and protect home, um, you know, with the scoring efficiency that they have, they can be good on the road, but they're extremely vulnerable to, to being injured. And uh, and then I think that's where the inconsistency comes from. So you've got two issues. You have a physical injury, and then you've got this issue with COVID and icing your players. So uh, it's unfortunate. Um, the head coach will have to be very good in his staff and understanding that, you know, it's not a matter of they use the term next man up, right? It's really the issue of there are certain analytical statistics that they must keep meeting. Like in basketball, I've always said it's win the first quarter, win the third quarter. So, again, um, you know, they need to be efficient to their analytics, uh, and the players need to overcome. Uh, I watched the basketball game yesterday, to give you an example, University of Minnesota played Rutgers. And Minnesota only had seven players, the minimum amount eligible. And they won the game. They won the game. Three guys played 40 minutes. So it's the reality is that a coach looks better when the team overcomes its personal struggles that are thrown in its way. And right now, you know, that's yet to be seen. You're talking about home ice advantage, extremely important. Hopefully they can have fans in the stands this year. But the least, you know, that's why we said from a cultural standpoint, why aren't they stronger? They're talented, but are they mentally strong enough to manage their own situation that COVID and injury brings? Well, uh, on that note, Lou, uh, injuries, mustn't hold, they're out. Um, Leafs, I mean, at times, you know, at times, a good chunk of the season. I and mean, then when they they've played up against some of the better teams, they you know they've they've done fairly well. Uh, you know, Colorado, other team that's touted to be the best team in the league. You know, Leafs go in there, get some points. St. Louis, Vegas, they get points. I mean, let's throw out the one against Arizona, uh, the worst team in the league. But you know, they, they it's not like they've been outclassed. By by the top echelon teams in the league, we haven't seen much of Florida and Tampa so far this year. So we'll see how that hasn't, uh, or Boston for that matter. So you know, when we get some of uh, when we get a taste of those two teams, that may give us a better idea of where the Leafs stack up. But you know, we we we, we criticize them for losing these leads, these three to one leads. But at the end of the day, that's that's the down, that's the pessimistic way of looking at it. I guess the. You know, the other way of looking at it, they were good enough to get those leads in these games against these really good teams. So, I mean, there's it's a double edge. It's a there's two sides of the coin. Is it it, it is it not, Luke? It definitely is, uh, Wally. Um, and, and and again, they've beaten the good teams out west. Uh, they've had trouble with the Rangers in the East. They haven't played Washington yet. They haven't played Florida yet. I think they're one and one against Tampa. Uh, they're they're zero two, I think, against Carolina, and if they do go into a little bit of a funk, they could end up playing 
uh, in the wild card game. You know, well, the, the they're only, only they're only, they're only three right points now. clear of Boston. Yeah, uh, that you know, they're uh, Boston's. You know, they're they're closer to the wild card than they are to second or first. So uh, that's right, yeah. and and you know what type of game that Boston brings. So it, for them, it's still going to be an uphill battle. Uh, they've just got to clean clean up the inconsistencies of, of later on in the game. I'm not sure if it's maybe they they get a little bit more lax after they get a two or three goal lead, uh, and they take things easy, think that the other teams are going to give up. But they just got to keep putting that foot to the frontal and and playing the style of game that got them to the three uh, to the two or three goal lead, and uh, and play solid hockey instead of. Uh, uh, the hockey that they have been playing, were the games that they have uh, blown uh, lately. Uh, Naz, uh, last word to you before we go to break uh, on on the Leafs. Uh, we briefly touched upon it. Uh, trade deadline, and you know, as as Lou and Butch say, you know, uh, injuries. You know, we we've got more than half the season left, and as they say, the you know the NHL season's a marathon; it's not a sprint. And I think we're getting into the those tough uh, those tough marathon miles right now. Uh, you know the 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 ten the ten mile to the seventeen eighteen mile uh, range where you got to stay focused. The coach got to keep them focused. Injuries become a factor for them and all the other teams in the league. But somehow you got to grind through and uh, try and stay consistent. Certainly, last night result was was a positive one. The Leafs. I've, I've always had difficulty down on the island. It's sort of a sort of a tough place to play, and Tavares is still getting the boobirds down there. But uh, Sheldon Keith, uh, based on what you've seen, Naz, he's got he's got some difficulties on defense, trying to manage up front, trying to manage the goalies. What's his focus uh, uh, from here? Let's say to the trade deadline. His focus is that his team doesn't play soft, Wally, as he said. They, they play soft hockey, and um, they can't do that. But the trade deadline is going to be interesting this year because half the teams are going to be out of the playoffs, so it's going to be a buyer's market. So it's going to be very interesting what they do with their defense, Wally. Hey, you, you raise a really interesting point there, Naz, um, and they're talking about how active the trade deadline is going to be this year, and you, you just made a really good point is um, – there, there could be, there could be, uh, there could be a surplus. Uh, I mean, right now in the East Division, you look at the East Division, the playoff determination's already been set. There's, there's eight teams that are clear, and there's eight teams that are literally already out of the playoffs unless something absolutely dramatic happens. So those eight teams are going to be sellers, uh, and you've got eight teams that are buyers. It should be, certainly in the East, there should be. A, should be uh, a significant uh, trade market at the trade deadline. So that that may, as they're saying, that may drive the prices down. So maybe Dubas doesn't. Last year he gave up a pretty steep price to get Nick Foligno in. I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I think he gave up a first-rounder, um, which when what, what he got in return from the performance from Foligno, although Foligno was probably hurt, we didn't get much from him, so that didn't work out all that well. But you may not have to give up. You know, a first rounder or a second rounder this year, because there may be a lot of lot of talent on on the market as teams fall by the wayside. On that note, we're gonna go to break. Just before we go to break, I, you know, you just brought something up, Lou, that I think it's appropriate that we talk about on the show. Um, the NHL lost one of its uh, one of its beloved Islanders, 
this week, and I know you, Lou, you and I had a discussion about it uh, yesterday or the day before. He was beloved on the island, gone way too young, Clark Gillies. I know you have fond memories of Clark Gillies, and I, Lou, I think it would be appropriate at this time if you could uh, share your thoughts and your remembrances of Clark Gillies with our listeners. Well, Clark Gillies is, is a great human being. Um, I know we have, we've had our battles uh, on the island. Uh, with, when I was with the Washington Capitals, he even more or less threatened my life on the ice one time if I didn't behave myself uh, <laughs> because I was that much of a pest. Uh, to him and, and to them in the playoffs. Uh, but I, I really got to know Clark about 10 years ago when uh, he'd come to Toronto and, uh, and share his time in, uh, in, a, in a playing a, a slow-pitch tournament. It's, it was called Bay Street. Uh, and he'd invite, well, not he would invite, but he was invited by uh, James Duncan from uh, uh, wealthy firms, uh, like uh, capital firms from all across uh, Canada, mostly Vancouver and, and Montreal. Um, and, and we'd go out and have a couple of pints. And, and then he, you know, he was just a, a big jokester. He'd, uh, he'd, he'd be a great person, great human being, uh, great sense of humor. Uh, and he had a great uh, Clark Gillies uh, Golf Foundation tournament in Long Island, which I got the pleasure and the honor of, uh, of being invited to because it was invitational only. Uh, and you really get to see another different side of them uh, because of the people that he invited were, were classics. We're talking Pierre LaRouche, Mary Lemieux. We're talking about old-time greats uh, from the basketball era, from the baseball era, uh, even from uh, the football era, guys that I, I, I always looked at playing, uh, on, watching on TV. But then you get them in a different uh, atmosphere playing golf uh, on Long Island. It was just unbelievable. Uh, and there aren't enough good things to say. Uh, about Clark Gillies, he was a, uh, a great human being, and we've lost a we've lost him uh, at too early of an age. Uh, I, I just can't believe that he, he is still gone, and I'm having a tough time adjusting to uh, not picking up the phone and talking to him uh, uh, on a yearly basis. Uh, Lou, thank you very much for your kind thoughts and your kind remittances. Uh, we're going to go to break, and we'll be right back. We'll talk some NFL football. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked, Do you want to meet the hot Hawaiian of your dreams? This hot Hawaiian is slathered in bacon, red onion, spicy sausage, pineapple and hot banana peppers. A large thin crust is just $16.99. One bite and you'll say, Lew, wow! You might even get a lay on the beach. Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 on your cell phone. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. We all value our sporting heroes. But what price would you put on one in mint condition? If you ask us, you'll get an honest answer. 
Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise is looking to buy your vintage collection of hockey, basketball, baseball, football, and soccer heroes. Come and see us in person at our new Toronto Mint Inc. Gallery, now open at 198 Davenport, east of Avenue Road, or visit our store online at mintink.ca. Show us what you got, and we'll show you the money. Think Mint Inc. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on uh, New AM 740, Toronto, 96.7 FM, and on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. Joining us this morning, Butch Carter and Lou Franceschetti. NFL football, Naz, uh, it's getting exciting. Uh, it's that time of year. January football can get pretty cold out there, especially if you're playing in Green Bay. Uh, two games I watched yesterday, they were interesting games. They came down to the last couple of minutes in the, in the Packer 49ers game. If you didn't watch it, came down to the last kick, and for all intents and purposes, I guess in the Bengals-Titans game, game, it was the same thing. The the field goal kickers were the stars yesterday, Naz. They pulled, uh, they won the games for uh, for Cincinnati and for San Francisco. I think the home teams lost, the favorites lost. What happened yesterday, Naz? Uh, I think, in, in my estimation, we'll go around the table here. We'll hear from Butch, we'll hear from Lou. Uh, Packers lost the game they should have won through sloppy special teams play. And uh, the Titans also lost the game they should have won because their $38 million quarterback didn't perform like a $38 million quarterback. Of course, I'm talking about Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Naz, uh, assess assess those games for us. Well, the Tennessee game, uh, the coach made an interesting decision with 7.02 left in the game. uh, They went fourth and two with Travis Henry, and they turned over the ball. They could have kicked a 48-yard field goal there, and they would have been up 19-16. So... Little, little. I think it, he would have made the field goal because of the conditions of the of the conditions were really good yesterday in Nashville. Yeah, certainly that that's a good point, Naz. I think when you're in conditions and when you have defenses like like both all all the defenses were uh, were were played well yesterday. None of these games were shootouts. Um, you know, defenses on the field. They were they were holding the. And uh, in, in a situation like that, I think I think the coaching decision, as you as you uh, quite rightly uh, say, Naz, is if you got an opportunity in a game like that, it's, uh, it's wind chill factor below zero Fahrenheit, or or even in the in the Tennessee game, you know, uh, you got an opportunity to put points on on the board as a coach, you do it, uh, don't you, Butch? I think you have to take the points and defend your home field. And you know the uh, growing up not far from Cincinnati, you know I'm I'm thrilled that the Bengals have done something they haven't done in 30 years because losing Bengals and losing Cincinnati Reds has been very depressing for a kid from <laughs> from Ohio. But I think you know, look, he he gets paid to make those decisions. The biggest issue was not that decision, just this quarterback just really just, you know, played poorly. And I don't, you know, it's you have two quarterbacks, and, you know, I'm going to jump to the other game, but Jimmy was 
I think, really bad for the 49ers. Um, But I think you have to put the points on the board and play defense and decide from there. Yeah, certainly, uh, Lou, questionable. I mean, I I see these uh, coaching decisions. I mean, with the benefit of hindsight, it's always easy to say, oh, I should have done the, the reverse. Uh, I mean, it's easy. It's easy, as they say. Uh, what's the cliche? Being a Monday morning quarterback? I guess if being a Sunday morning quarterback this morning, uh, going around this round table. You know, some of these some of these calls where they go fourth and, uh, you know, fourth and one, and, and you don't make it because, you know, you're on the 40, 50-yard line, and you can't kick a field goal. Um, and if you, if you punt, likely. But, you know, in conditions that you've got in, in – um, um, in uh, you know, with, with with bad fields and and those types of things, and you got defenses that are playing all world. The offenses are having a tough time moving the ball. I think total San Francisco yardage was 225 yards, and you, you go over to the Cincinnati game where where you know they they give it to Derrick Henry, and he you know obviously Henry he didn't look himself to be honest with you. I mean. You know, getting stopped on a four-on-two, he didn't. He didn't penetrate at all. Like, why not punt it? Like the old days, where you try and punt it, and you try to back the other team, and you and you play field possession, you play field position uh, ball. I, I just, I just found some of the coaching, and you know, I'm not paid ten million dollars a year to be an NFL coach, but from a fan's perspective, I just found some, and I wouldn't use the word bizarre, but questionable, Luke. Uh, yeah, well, you know, the, the Tennessee game there, you've got a question. you got Derrick Henry, who's, who hasn't played in about 10 weeks. You give him the ball uh, on a fourth and two, where you've had, uh, previous to that, uh, a great running back in Foreman, who was just tearing up that defense uh, with, with running plays. Uh, you got Ryan Tannehill in the last two minutes of the game throwing a ball right in the middle of the field. Uh, and he, he didn't have his greatest game, mind you. I don't really think he's a quarterback to, to win you a championship. Um, it, it's, it's tough sometimes because you, you want to give trust into the people that you have. And I, I really question uh, on the personnel and the decisions uh, of uh, Rabel and the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans uh, on trying to put their players in the best position to succeed. And I really didn't think they did that in the last five minutes of the game where it was crucial because, you know, Joe Burrow and, and Lamar Chase did a pretty good job of moving uh, the ball 30 yards with about, uh, what, maybe a minute left. Uh, and, you know, if, even if they would have run the ball out, there was no way Cincinnati would have got the ball back and they could have gone into overtime and taken their chances there. The, the other game with Green Bay, it was just uh, it was a game of turnovers and, and special teams. Uh, I guess with that big block, at the end of the game with, uh, I think, what, what was it, maybe less than four or five minutes left. Um, they blocked the punt. Since uh, uh, San Francisco wasn't even in the game at that time, um, and, and Aaron Rodgers couldn't move it, uh, couldn't move the ball, couldn't, they, they couldn't move the, the yards uh, to get that extra first down to waste the time. And uh, that's what happens. San Francisco gets the ball back and moves at 15 yards, and they – Take a chance on a on a forty five or forty eight yard field goal. Yeah, talk, talk, and we'll we'll leave this one uh, quickly, and then we'll we'll move on to today's games. But um, you know, other other decision I found, um, you know, uh, Tennessee uh, uh, decided that they were going to. I hope I got the 
Uh, I hope I got the right game. Naz, help me help me out. Where they decided to go for a two point conversion rather than rather than a one point, and they missed it, and then they fell behind. Um, and it was earlier on in the game, and and like why do that? Like you know why take that chance? Uh, just put the points on the board. It's it's not near you earlier on in the game, and, and at the end of the day, that point ended up becoming crucial because. Um, you know, I mean, the critics will say, well, you know, it's earlier on in the game, the teams will adjust, but I don't know the weather. You don't know what's going to happen. You've got a point. And that point, if, 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 if Tennessee had a, had that point, then maybe they're not, maybe Tannehill's not throwing in the last minute of the game or the last two minutes of the game. And maybe he's trying to run out the clock. Uh, points matter at, at every, and one point can matter. Naz? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they had nine sacks on the quarterback. Joe Burrow had nine sacks on unbelievable defense that Tennessee played, and they still lost. And then you got Garoppolo in in, uh, in Green Bay. He's a terrible quarterback. He's not even in the top twenty in the NFL. And we might have him in the Super Bowl. Can you imagine? Yeah, well, certainly. Who is that? You laughing, Butch? Yeah. Okay, so I, before I turn, before we go to uh, before we move on to Buffalo. Chiefs, I've got to follow up that laugh. So what's on your mind, Butch? Well, the way I looked at Green Bay and when I was watching the game uh, with the wife, I I said uh, Green Bay kicked to San Francisco in the second half. And number 19, the kid from South Carolina, won the game, him and the tight end, by doing extraordinary things in really bad weather. He runs, he runs that kickoff back to around the 50-yard line. And then, just I mean, the, the footing was bad, and the talent just rose above. You, if you could go back and look at it, he's just outrunning people, physically outrunning people. And there's a reason they have him. Uh, I think he did an outstanding job. I think he saved um, Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G... Just look, Jimmy G, you can't love him, uh, and he will make a throw that you will hate him. But I think San Francisco survives. Uh, I don't know how you can do any better than you're up 10 points and you lose those 10 points because of special teams. Um, The San Francisco coach was clear with the broadcast team that he felt that his special teams, he had an advantage over Green Bay. And... It's it's really scary because you got a Hall of Fame quarterback. You know he's at the end of his rope on playing for you. He's got the 10 points on the board. You should win the game 10-7, whatever, and uh, you end up losing a game that you really should have won in conditions that were ideal for why Green Bay never. My wife said to me, why don't they have a dome? I said, because <laughs> they, they want to host playoff games in this weather. You know, so... You know, I'm older than her, and I'm sitting there saying, like, if you if you have seen the ice bowl, the ice bowl, yeah, who can against, get that against one? My Cowboys, yeah. You know, they they thrive off of this cold weather climate in the playoffs. But I, I thought it was an outstanding effort by number 19 and San Francisco's tight end, making plays when other people could not make plays in those conditions, and they overcame with the special teams. Just you know. I, Green Bay did everything except win the damn game. And I think that's how they're going to feel today. 
Yeah, that certainly was a game that. Uh, they, what, what's the proverbial line? They stole. Uh, they stole defeat from the jaws of victory. Anyways, this I guess this is probably a good time to go to break. We're, we'll come back from the break and we'll talk about the Bills and the Chiefs and the Bucks and the Rams. We'll be right back. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked, "Do you want to meet the hot Hawaiian of your dreams?" This hot Hawaiian is slathered in bacon, red onion, spicy sausage, pineapple and hot banana peppers. A large thin crust is just $16.99. One bite and you'll say, Lew, wow! You might even get a lay on the beach. Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 on your cell phone. We all value our sporting heroes. But what price would you put on one in mint condition? If you ask us, you'll get an honest answer. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise is looking to buy your vintage collection of hockey, basketball, baseball, football, and soccer heroes. Come and see us in person at our new Toronto Mint Inc. Gallery, now open at 198 Davenport, east of Avenue Road, or visit our store online at mintink.ca. Show us what you got, and we'll show you the money. Think Mint Inc. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live. I'm your host, Walter Rigobon, and as usual, with me, my co-host, Naz Marchese, joining us on the line this morning, Butch Carter and Lou Franceschetti. Naz, we've been waiting for this game all week. I guess we can probably say we've been waiting for this game all year. Uh, last year, the Bills faced uh, the Chiefs, uh, Kansas City, uh, in the AFC Championship. Uh, we're getting this game uh, one game earlier this year. Is there going to be a different result? Uh, Bills uh, literally got dominated last year against the Chiefs. Uh, what can we expect? Are we going to see a different result this time around, Naz? I sure hope so, Wally. I know we all hope so, but uh, analyze it for us. I think, well, they have the best defense in the league, and they have the second-best offense in the league. So adding those two up, I think they have a really good shot, and I think they're going to win tonight. Certainly. uh, I will, uh, you know, one interesting stat, though, that concerns me, though, Naz, I know the Bills have the number one defense in the league statistically, but uh, I read an interesting article this week. Uh, they only matched up against really four top-notch offenses this year, uh, and it, when against the top-ranked offenses in the league, they they don't come in at number one. They uh, their results were a little bit different, but uh, we're coming off a huge victory against the New England Patriots. Um, my assessment of the game is, as and it's, this is this is to state the obvious, is the assessment you'll find in most games, and maybe so more so in this one. If the Bills can establish a ground game, uh, if their offensive line can keep pressure away from Josh Allen uh, and give him time to find that cast of receivers that he's got, 
I very well see the Bills being victorious in this one. If not, it may be a long night for them. Butch, analyze the Bills and the Chiefs for us. Well, I, um, historically, the conference that the Bills play in, the winner has had outstanding defensive numbers because the American East has been poor, right? The Dolphins weren't winning. The Jets have been horrible the last 20 years. So, you know, yeah, when you play against those teams, your defensive numbers are going to elevate you. I like your evaluation against the top four. But I don't think there's anything like momentum. And I think that this Bills team that is going in to play in Kansas City has a ton of momentum. And if they can keep the Chiefs from making big plays, I think the Bills will win. And, you know, you can't help but love what they did against New England. It was long overdue. It wasn't just a win the game. It was pretty much a clean beatdown. Um, the quarterback is playing, you know, let's say he's a top two or top three quarterback, so you're going to see two of the, the best three guys. I don't know who the third guy is, but you're going to see two of the best ones today. And so I think it boils down to, you know, if, if they don't turn the ball over, they just play their football, I think they have as best chance as they've had of going back to the championship game uh, since the great Super Bowl teams. Um, Lou, um, the Bills Chiefs obviously is, uh, is, is the one that has the greatest interest in uh, southern Ontario and western New York, uh, where our listeners uh, reside. There's another huge game today. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the L.A. Rams. Tom Brady. 44 years old. He's got home field advantage. Um, my assessment of this game is uh, Rams looked pretty good last week. Um, they've got a fearsome, uh, you know, they've got some pretty pretty significant talent on defense. Tampa Bay's got some injuries on their offensive line. Never bet against Tom Brady, but I think Tom Brady's going to be running around a little bit, trying to find some protection today, and that may swing the game in the Rams' favor. Matthew Stafford, the Rams quarterback, much maligned. If he puts together a decent game, watch for the Rams to win this one. Lou? Well, the big key word there is if Matt Stafford <laughs> puts the game. <laughs> okay? And he's, he's in the same shoe as Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy Garoppolo, all these guys that, uh, that are making big bucks uh, at the quarterback level. But they still haven't proved that they jumped over that last uh, last uh, hurdle. Uh, they're not Aaron Rodgers. They're not uh, Tom Brady. And I think it's going to come down to just like the the Bills and the KC game. If you got a running game, you're going to keep Aaron Arnold uh, and uh, and John Miller and all those guys backing up all all night, which opens up the lanes for the short passes. Uh, and until you beat Tom Brady, I think he's going to have a hell of a game knowing that next week he's going to host the home game because they don't have to go up to Green Bay. Uh, and you might see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl final, which uh, I didn't think a couple of weeks ago was. Uh, I mean, uh, just, just the thought of that is just, is just mind-boggling. And, and, he's, uh, and he's in the root, not the rumor, but the... Uh, you read a, a lot of the uh, of the analysts and the reporters, and they're suggesting that he's the favorite for the MVP award. Forty-four years old, although I think he's in tough this one. 
Um, but you know, never, <laughs> I could never bet against Tom Brady. Uh, but you know, he's got his, some of his key receivers are down. Uh, some of his key offensive linemen are down. Uh, if this is an opportunity to, to beat Tom Brady, uh, LA Rams want an opportunity to beat Tom Brady. This is the time. But, uh, you know, they had him in the Super Bowl a couple of years back and they could, they couldn't do it even when, even when, uh, this is when, when Tom was still with the Patriots, uh, because the Patriots defense came up big, uh, in that Super Bowl. Naz, uh, your uh, your breakdown of the of, uh, of of Tampa, LA. How do you see this game playing out? I think Tampa Bay wins, and they'll win by about six points. And they're going to play Buffalo in the Super Bowl. What a Super Bowl that would be! Tampa Bay and Buffalo. Certainly, uh, uh, Butch. We haven't uh, uh, last to comment on on the Tampa LA game. Uh, Tom Brady. L.A. Rams defense, Matthew Stafford. Uh, what's going to happen in this game, and which how's it going to pan out? I don't. I don't think you can uh, count on Matthew Stafford. Uh, this is a place he's never been. Uh, it's on the road. Uh, I think L.A. does have the best pass rush uh, for Tom Brady that he, he would have seen all year. It's, it still doesn't matter. It seems like once Tom gets into a rhythm. Uh, he's just really hard to stop because he'll throw the ball anywhere that he needs to. He, he doesn't predetermine. Um, so if the rush is coming faster, he'll just throw a lot of shorter passes. Uh, you can't, you can't, it's hard to bet against his experience, especially in, in a time where you can't hit the quarterback. So, you know, I don't want to, I prefer Buffalo. Um, I don't prefer Tom Brady because of, uh, his, is what he did to uh, in the AFC to Buffalo for all those years, but <laughs> I don't, I, I can't, I find it hard to bet on Matthew Stafford. If he throws a pick early in the game, then I think things will go downhill. Everyone just really forgets how consistent Brady has been with throwing short passes and being successful moving the chains uh, for new first down. So, you know, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, certainly if, if- if somehow, if somehow uh, Tampa's offensive line rallies uh, and gives Brady some time back there, and that's I think that's the key to the game. They have to get the Rams have to get pressure on Brady. It's been done before, even when he was in New England. I, I still recall that when, that year that Denver uh, had a, had a dominating defense, and they went through and and won the Super Bowl with Vaughn Miller. Um, they in that AFC Championship game, they were all over Tom Brady the entire game, and that's uh, and you got to pressure him, you got to beat him up a little bit if you can, and this is their opportunity because a couple of a uh, couple of uh, of the Tampa's offensive linemen uh, got injured in, in in over the course of the last couple of weeks, and I'm not exactly sure their status if they're playing, but uh, if they are. Uh, they're probably playing injured, so that that may be the Achilles heel for Tampa this year. But as they say, nobody won, nobody's ever won money betting against Tom Brady, and uh, this may not be a good time to start. Uh, so it's, it should be a fascinating day of football. It's been uh, it's a fascinating day yesterday watching it, and uh, uh, certainly uh, we uh, we're pulling for our Buffalo Bills. Go Bills! Butch, uh, we haven't had John for a while. We'd be remiss if we didn't get a chance to talk about basketball. Uh, how can we have Butch Carter on the show and not talk about basketball? That would be uh, that would be crazy. So, Butch, 
Uh, we haven't talked much about the Raptors on the show in the last few weeks, and this is our opportunity to do so. I checked the standings. Raptors are in a playoff position. They're in eighth place. Uh, Van Vliet uh, has been playing incredible. Um, take us, uh, Bring us up to speed on all things Raptors. Go ahead, Butch. I think Nick is doing one of his best jobs coaching. I think that his issue down the road will be the number of minutes that he's playing OG uh, Pascal and uh, Van Fleet. But right now, they're not very good defensively, but they are excellent in transition. Um, they're in the lower third in a lot of key defensive categories, but they're so efficient with those three uh, in transition off teams' misses. Um, and I think that he, you know, he's played mad scientists like what you have to do as a coach is stop playing the younger players which it's hard to get continuity young players in the NBA and he's gone to his, his three veterans they complement that with being very physical and that physicality uh, they played Portland tonight Portland got beat up by Miami and lost a very close game but Miami had them shoot about 22% down the stretch and I would say today's game Toronto has to be physical, take the Western Conference team that is a little soft, a little young, without their veterans in, to win a game. But I think that what Nick Nurse has been able to do, considering all, everything that's happened, is one of his best coaching jobs since he won a championship. And Naz, I'll uh, turn over to you and uh, any basketball uh, Raptors thoughts or basketball thoughts you want to uh, want to uh, bump off the of butch. Yeah, I've been pleasantly surprised that the Raptors uh, are doing as well as they are because I thought they would falter this year. But uh, Van Fleet and uh, Siakam have played really well the past month. And um, looks like they're going to make a playoff. Yeah, I think, you know, they got Scotty Barnes out. I mean, I didn't like Scotty Barnes at Florida State uh, because of his selfishness. You know, I think I've said that on your show here. Uh, but Nick has gotten him to a point where he only – uses him if he needs him. Um, everything has to run through Van Fleet, uh, <clears throat> OG, and Siakam for them to be successful. And like I said, I, I think he's doing a hell of a job coaching. You know, guys know I don't throw that around uh, lightly, but he's getting a lot more out of them than what they should be able to do, considering that he doesn't have an offensive player uh, that's a big. Butch, uh, uh, going back to Scotty Barnes, he's the you know the first round draft choice of the of the uh, Raptors last year. Um, had a start to the season. He's obviously uh, 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 his athleticism excites fans. There's no issue. He's uh, he, he's got a package there that uh, from a from a physical point of view that he can he can be an all star in this league. I don't think there's any question about that. But you touched upon. Uh, and I remember, I remember when we first talked about him after his first five games. You always, I, and this is what you tend to say about all rookies, Butch. Uh, let's talk about him after twenty games. I, I think that's your that's your classic line, and it's for all rookies. Let let him go around the league a couple of times, and then and then let's have the discussion. So he's gone around the league a couple of times, uh, Butch, since we we last talked about Scotty Barnes. Um, size up his game. And what he need, where you ultimately see Scotty Barnes long term, uh, where he's is he going to be a superstar in this league? 
I don't think he's going to be a superstar. I think he's going to be, he could be a very good player because his talent is his length. He's very long, and to his credit, he can play with both hands. But, you know, he doesn't show me where he's got to, you got to remember, the evaluation that's been going on with Scotty Barnes hasn't been him playing against the Jimmy Butlers of the world. So, yes, has he impressed for a rookie? Uh, in the team's mind, they're always trying to validate the draft position. But when I go back and say, okay, let's look at the best wing players, you know, how would he compare against Kawhi when Kawhi was young? Um, or, you know, wing players or LeBron? He's not that kind of player. He is a good player. He's not a super athlete. His athletic ability is his length which should allow him to defend a couple positions and analytically that he can use with both hands. So, he's, you know, in a rotation, he should be a very effective player, better than OG. Um, but I don't know if he's got a pull-up, make-a-shot game where someone would have to come to him or uh, he could play uh, what we call ISO one-on-one. So, you know, he's a good player. Uh, will, he, will he be a perennial all-star? Uh, I don't see how you're going to be a perennial all-star in Toronto if your team is not winning. And I don't see who's he going to replace. They trade OG, give them more minutes. They could do that. I would imagine that if I were them, I would be offering Scotty Barnes for Simmons in Philadelphia. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left, guys. Uh, it's been a spirited discussion in a lot of different ways. Uh, Lou, I don't know if you want to join in on the Raptors discussion or if you got any questions for butch uh feel free but that that's that's a very very uh interesting uh statement you just made you wouldn't you would trade scotty barnes for a head case of of simmons well you, you've seen this guy for a matter of 40 well, games Lou, i don't think i don't think butch used that particular uh adjective for simmons but no go ahead. Well, i'm using it okay I'm using it because I, I follow this kid from the from the only year that he was at LSU right. uh, and went public and saying, listen, guys, I'm not here to to go to school. I'm here to play basketball, get drafted. And well, it, when he says that, isn't he, ju- isn't he just saying the truth? You know, I'm, I'm shocked that you would I've say never that. heard anybody say that. And that's well, but but you know what? At least at least he had the, he, at least he had the you know at least he he was truthful because. Aren't uh, well, a lot of those guys there just to get drafted? They're not there for school? Butch, we got a minute left. I'll let you respond to Lou. Wally, Lou's comment is a fair comment. Yep. Right? But what happens is someone looks at the talent and says, we can fix it. Right? you got to remember, Kyle Lowry was a knucklehead. And I believe right now Kyle Lowry is, in a, is having a problem with Miami because he's, they're saying he's out for personal reasons. I think he's trying to get traded out of Miami. All right, so let's go back to the. So the issue is, I believe Butch, we got got thirty seconds, Butch. Okay, I believe that everyone who wants Simmons is trying to get him. I'm just saying what Philly's going to ask for. All right, is Scotty Barnes. That's what I would say to do the deal. Now, yes, Lou is absolutely right. There is a history of doing things differently as a professional player. He's absolutely right. Okay, on that note, Butch, unfortunately, uh, the the, stop, the clock is striking 10, <laughs> as it always does with us. We never we always run out of time. Naz, got 10 seconds, last word. 
Naz, we, we lose you. Anyways, uh, I know what Naz's usual last word would be. It would be go Bills. Anyways, Naz, thank you. Butch, thank you. Lou, thank you. It's always it's always a pleasure having uh, chatting sports with you guys on a Sunday morning. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. To all our listeners, have a safe and fantastic week. We'll be back again next Sunday morning. Thank you. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.